This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Welcome back to another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Yes, I am aware it's been a while and I've definitely not been as consistent as I would like to be with these episodes. In saying that, a lot of exciting stuff's happened over the past week, so I'd like to welcome you by saying this is the first episode in a mini-series covering my journey to the United States of America and specifically uh, San Bernardino and Los Angeles. Today's one, as the title does suggest, is going to be the madness of flying to the USA because yes, if you have been listening to the podcasts or generally following me on any social media, you'll know that most things don't go that smoothly and typically something that is meant to be, I guess you could say, planned, will always have a spanner in the works, whether it's one hour before or seven days before. And certainly in getting to the USA, I had that major spanner and um, that's going to be the coverage today. On top of that, you're going to uh, find out how Melbourne Airport was and Sydney Airport was, my thoughts on Virgin Australia. And then we'll transition into the next episode, which will be an in-depth review on my experience flying Delta. They were the airline that I did fly through to the United States with, and it was my first ever experience flying with them. I would like to begin also by saying that this podcast is available on all streaming platforms. So if you may be listening right now on SoundCloud, do be sure to go and maybe find a more better platform for you, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, Amazon. Trust me, they're all available to you there. Also, this is being recorded live in the DJ's Aviation Community Discord server, a great place to hang out, talk aviation, transport, hobbies, and so much more. Uh, Link join will be in the show notes, or just use the vanity URL discord.gg forward slash aviation. Finally, in the long list of announcements, I've actually rebooked to go to Canada, so that is something that you may have been aware of, well, not been aware of, but you know I was trying to head there. So the voucher that never arrived, I had to call up Qantas and applied for. I was managed to secure about a day ago some flights through to Canada. That will be taking place next month. So that's February. That means you'll be getting many more travel-related podcasts for, I'd say, the next couple of months. So it's the perfect time to stay tuned for the podcasts and also follow me on Twitter because there's going to be a lot of travel content. Uh, and, and I'll detail more about the Canada experience at a later date. For now, though, we're going to focus on the madness of flying to the USA. So I thought I'd begin by saying I was originally meant to fly with Fiji Airways, and you're probably more than aware of this as it was booked about a week before my flight, potentially even more. They were the airline I was going with. I've never flown with Fiji Airways, so personally I was pretty excited to say the least at uh, getting the opportunity to jump on board one of their aircraft. However, as we rapidly approached my flight, which I think for some reference was meant to be on the 16th of January, 
There was obviously the volcanic eruption that took place in Tonga, which is very, very close to Fiji. And naturally from that, there was the tsunamis, the massive ash cloud. And it was it was appalling scenes and nothing I think you ever want to see anyone have to go through, especially somewhere that is as remote as these locations. And naturally getting aid out there can take a while. Because of the volcanic eruption, there was a massive ash cloud that completely threw out the network of airlines that flew through those those regions and it just so happened that that was for me fiji airways there was a lot of uncertainty were the flights for uh, one of the days going to go ahead as from to my knowledge the eruption occurred about three days before i was meant to travel so i was i was under the impression that they were still flying originally so i thought to myself well maybe maybe their long-haul network will still go ahead however then it quickly became apparent that uh, it wasn't going to be going ahead and i received my first flight i guess you could say moving or schedule moving um schedule change pardon me that's the that's the specific words there i received that about i guess it would have been 15 hours before travel and at this point i'd already gone and taken my i think it was 100 dollar pcr test at a melbourne airport because naturally you needed to take at this point a pcr test to get into fiji and uh, it also worked for just flying into america because fiji were not accepting rapid tests so it was a little bit of a nightmare there to have everything sorted. Uh, I did that PCR test, obviously the day before my flight, and then my flight got moved from, I think it was originally the Sunday to then the Monday, which means my PCR test was no longer going to be valid to enter into Fiji and also the United States, which means I had to book another PCR test, which means two trips to the airport two days in a row to do two PCR tests that are... Uh, one was not valid, and then, of course, they both cost quite a fair bit of money. So it's very frustrating, and they have changed the regulations to that. But ultimately, I think now it's rapid tests. But as I'm sure you may be aware, no matter where you're listening, whether it's the United States, Canada, or Australia, rapid tests are pretty hard to come by, despite there apparently being such a significant amount that entered into the country. I don't... It's literally impossible. I mean, my family can't get one. No one I know is able to get one in Australia. That being said, I don't really know anyone. But let's just say in Canada and the US, people just can't get rapid tests because obviously there are people that are hoarding them. There's people that have 15. It's it's a nightmare to try and get any. So it's almost like that's just not an option. Even though they claim you can do the rapid tests, if you can't get your hands on one, it becomes literally impossible. And uh, if you need to fly, you have no choice but to take the, uh, a PCR and Obviously, with all countries' regulations constantly changing, uh, it definitely becomes frustrating, to say the least. Uh, and I will get, you'll find out further in the podcast how the rule changes impacted me on my way back to Australia. So, with that being said, I had that schedule change and I was no longer, well, I was flying with Fiji Airways, but I was no longer flying with uh, through Melbourne, Fiji, and then LA. I was actually going Melbourne, Sydney. Um, Nadi and then through to LA so going up to Sydney first so it was almost like a total change and now all of a sudden I was on a domestic flight and frustratingly all the seats I booked and paid money for to get on Fiji for the purpose of the trip report were now useless um, because I just been put anywhere on the cabin again so I had to go through and try and find new flights and uh, new seats pardon me and these seats were definitely filling up quickly because their whole network had been screwed so at the moment, just for some reference, we are now currently at, uh, honestly, I'm thinking I'm going to need to probably check my calendar to be 100% certain and give you a perfect timeline because I, I wanted to sort of give you a in-depth walkthrough of how everything unfolded. But to do that, I need to get my flight itinerary up to give you uh, essentially the the perfect 
the perfect way of how it all happened. So the Fiji Airways flight, yes, was on the 17th and I received an email. No, let's go back to the beginning of the 17th. I believe the 17th was Monday. So let me just confirm that for you. Monday, the 17th uh, of January. I apologize for the lack of professionalism. I should have probably had... Um, yes, okay, so it was Monday the 17th. I probably should have had this all prepared, but I do have my show notes. I just don't have the exact specific dates, which is, in hindsight, pretty important. So we're currently on Monday the 17th at around about 9am. I'm currently in the car, now going to the airport to get my second PCR test. Get back around about 10 o'clock. At 10am, I'm still flying Melbourne, Sydney, Fiji, LAX. I decide to go to sleep at around about 2pm. Now I'm panicking. Uh, of course, because I think things are going to change, but I'm not totally aware. People will be like, why are you going to sleep at 2pm? I'm a night owl. I work on GMT and sort of live on EST time. Basically, I cover two time zones. So me going to sleep at 1, 2pm is not out of the ordinary when it comes to Melbourne time. So I was going to sleep. And to be honest, that was my saving grace, as I'll get into. I went to sleep at 2pm, had a terrible sleep, was waking up every five minutes, rolling over, tossing and turning. I'm, I'm sure there's many of you that have experienced something very similar. Maybe to a different extent before travel, sometimes it's excitement. For me, it was just nerves because I was waiting for that email notification to say my entire thing was cancelled. Um, and obviously, I fell asleep for a couple of hours eventually. I woke up at 9pm. And I'd received an email from Fiji Airways at 7pm. And uh, lo and behold, I was no longer going through Sydney. Now I was going from Melbourne to Nardi to LAX. That was my original um, schedule. However, now I was leaving even earlier on the next day, that being the Tuesday. Tuesday the 18th, that is. And um, no, that can't be right. I swear I'm missing something. There's no way that I left on Tuesday the 18th. I must have. And then did I arrive Tuesday the 18th? And uh, I don't know, but let's just forget the dates. Let's just say, sorry, I've just gotten back from LA. I lost the 24th because of the time difference. I'm so utterly confused. So please do bear with me as I get more adjusted to that. I'm just going to say Monday and Tuesday just to give you an idea. So yeah, Monday, 9pm, I got that email. Well, I saw the email, pardon me, that I was no longer going through Sydney because Fiji Airways were now facilitating a emergency flight, if you will for the people that missed the Monday flight, which means I had booked again the seats to go via Sydney and that was no longer happening. For reference, when 9pm, my flight was at 9am the next morning, so 12 hours, meaning I'd need to leave in around about 8 hours. Um, so I was like, okay, perfect. And then I, I tried to get a little bit more shut eye because I was exhausted and uh, got a call from Fiji Airways at around about 11pm, I think it was. So that woke me up again and... Uh, they were pleasant. They were just saying to me that, oh, are you aware your flight is now going Melbourne, Nardi, uh, Nardi, Los Angeles? And I was like, yes, I've gotten the email. That's perfect. I'm happy to do that. And they're like, sweet. So then I tried to go back to sleep again. And I think I woke up 30 minutes later and I woke up to the email uh, that was the following. And I have this here for you just to read it out. Dear guest, Fiji Airways and Fiji Lynx flights scheduled for Monday the 17th. There we go. My bad. This is happening on the Sunday, and my flight was on the Monday. There we go. I've got it now. I do apologize for that. So the first PCR test took place on Saturday. The second PCR test took place on Sunday. I was originally meant to fly on the Sunday. Then I got moved to the Monday. So we were talking Sunday night at 9 p.m. So now Sunday night at 11.30 p.m., I got this email. 
Dear guest, Fiji Airways and Fiji Link flights scheduled for Monday, January 17th have been cancelled. Current flights impacted at this juncture are FJ1934, Melbourne to Nadi, and that was the flight that I got put on. And then FJ360, Singapore to Nadi. The decision follows extensive operational assessments in light of new information received and the worsening operating conditions as a result of the ash cloud from the uh, Tonga volcanic eruption. All guests are requested to check updates through their email or phone contact included in their booking or visit the flight status. Now, the thing is, I had this cancellation and that's my flight number, but my flight number was not saying cancelled for like four hours. Um, so I was very confused. My but does that mean that they've listed my flight and, and there was only two flight numbers there? I was like, does, have they somehow meant that these are the only two flights going ahead? Uh, so I called them up and they're like, yes, that's cancelled. And to their credit, even though I didn't fly Fiji Airways, their customer service was I'm impeccable. The fact that they were cancelling their entire network, and yes, I know they are not your United Airlines. I'm aware they're not your Qantas, not even their Qatar Airways, but the Fiji Airways customer service for a network that was completely cancelled and but obviously it happened at the spur of the moment. It was not even their fault. It's because of a volcanic eruption. And even in the midst of all that, they answered their phone within two minutes. They helped me straight away. Um, and no faults. I wish more airlines customer service was like that. As yesterday, I dealt with Qantas for seven hours, was hung up on twice, was booked on a random flight that I didn't ask for, nor did they say they were going to, had crackly mics, too low volume, so it was definitely welcome that I was able to just ring up Fiji and, and sort it, and that was not what I was expecting. But at that point, the flight was cancelled, and I had no way to get to Los Angeles and no way to attend the Northern Pacific launch event. For people that are unaware, obviously I'm always going to be 100% transparent. I did not pay for the flights. The flights were organised by Northern Pacific themselves, as in they flew me out to the United States. So a lot of people were like, just switch it to Qantas, switch it to whatever. Um, and obviously at the time that was not possible because I was not the one paying for the flights. I had a travel agent who was working with me. And if she is listening to this, her name's Dana. So thank you very much. She's an absolute lifesaver and made all of this possible. Um, I'm not entirely sure where she's based now, but I do know she was up for hours on end with me trying to find out the best alternative. Now we're talking the Monday morning of when I would need to be departing. I'd already lost today in LA and she was up helping me trying to find an alternative and seriously incredible experience there. And uh, I'd highly recommend her. I will potentially look to leave her travel agency that she runs herself in the show notes. Um, if you need anything, because trust me, you're going to get a hundred percent good service. And that is not that she's paid me to say this. It's just, it was, I, I can't believe the, the lengths and uh, essentially her and, uh, another person's name was Claire and she works for the media team that, that flew me out and helped me. They basically were saying they weren't taking me not coming for an answer. So it was kind of, they were doing everything possible at ridiculous hours, very, very early hours in LA to try and find a new flight for me, uh, including Peter Clark, who helped me massively as well. And th from some tubing and throwing, I did uh, put forward a suggestion to fly with United Airlines that was actually a suggestion from someone over on Twitter that was to go Melbourne, Sydney, Sydney, LA uh, that exact morning, which means I'd need to be leaving in like three hours. And uh, United was not possible. Uh, we saw Qantas. Qantas was an option out of Melbourne. However, that was a bit iffy due to I think there was only one seat available and it was in the middle and it was like, well, uh, the purpose was also to try and do a trip report. So that, that was like a last worst case scenario I'll go with them. And also the problem is I would arrive 
too late as I would miss part of the event. And that's something, I mean, if you're flying out, you don't want to miss the event. Do you know what I mean? But then Delta became available. The Delta flight was leaving uh, Sydney at 11 a.m. And at the moment now, we're at 4 a.m. So we're at 4 a.m. I'm sitting in my bedroom with a not-packed bag and a not-packed suitcase under the impression I'm not going anywhere. And the Sydney flight from Delta is leaving at like 10.30, 11 o'clock. So you can probably now imagine <laughs> the race, and I'm telling you the race, the absolute race to get everything sorted, because by 4.15, my flights were booked and I was going to Sydney in three hours. So obviously being a night owl, my parents are sleeping. So it was like the amount of times I went back to my parents' room and was like, I'm not going, I'm going, I'm flying with Delta. I'm not flying with Delta. Fiji's canceled. Fiji sent me an email. I'm going with Delta. We're leaving in three hours. It was a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare. But I did get those flights secured at 4.15 in the morning uh, with Delta. And like I told you, I was not packed. At this point, I'm still sat at my um, desk where I'm recording this right now with all my monitors, all my hard drives connected to my computer. And if you are someone that has ever flown with technology before or you're someone that's content creation or generally you're someone that is a photographer and videographer. And I know that a lot of people listening will be well, aviation enthusiasts most likely, and you'll probably travel with a lot of your camera gear, um, you need to remember every single little thing from every single charging cable and so forth. And when I had everything sort of in operation and I had about 45 minutes to shower, dress into something, get all the cables, it was like, oh, Jesus, this is not good. Uh, And I couldn't find my Panasonic video camcorder charger. That's pretty crucial, considering I had extended my stay in the United States to do some plane spotting and I wasn't able to find the charger for the video camera. 20 minutes later I found it in some random drawer underneath a bunch of stuff. I don't know how it ended up there but I found it, ran to the shower, got dressed so quickly. It's a miracle I didn't forget anything um, here. I don't know how I did it. Raced to the airport, struggled at check-in massively because... (sighs) Virgin Australia, as you know, most domestic places are now automated check-ins, as in you do it on some screen, almost like you're ordering a McDonald's. I hate that um, unpopular opinion. That is something I really, really don't like. I prefer going up to the person, giving them my passport, and then checking the bag like that. I hate doing the bag tags. I hate checking in at the... I understand why it's done, and maybe that's me showing my age, if you will, but I really, really, really don't, uh, don't like that kind of thing. So I had to therefore, but either way, I wasn't able to do that kiosk check-in because I needed to go to the international check-in as I needed to mention that, you know, I'm going through Sydney and then going to LA. But of course, at that same point was also the group check-in, which means I'm there like, oh God, my plane's leaving in 30 minutes. Oh Jesus Christ. And uh, there was like a group of a family of like 10 in front of me with all their bags. And I couldn't get to the international check-in because whoever was there was checking in like 50, uh, 50 pieces of luggage. And I'm like, ah, so I started to panic and stress. I did manage to just check in. Uh, It was, it was a very lengthy process and uh, I just made it to my gate. I had time to buy a bottle of water and then I was basically running to jump on the plane boarded via the stairs, which is a common theme because I didn't get to pick a seat. So I was sort of back row on the 737. So I was boarding via the stairs, which you can't complain. It's always fun boarding um, by the stairs. About an hour flight up from um, Melbourne to Sydney. I've never transited through Sydney. So I obviously had to do the transit between the domestic and international terminal, which I thought was 
fine. There's multiple ways to do it, but I wanted to personally do the train because the trains are cool. I like trains and it was a, it's a double decker train and I just wanted to experience that once again with my own eyes and get to go on it. And obviously I figured it would make the trip report interesting because I did document the trip report, um, pardon me, with Delta and that is in the process of being edited, uh, but it's going to be a lengthy edit. There's so many clips that I've got to organize and uh, as you may have been able to tell, I've not really had a moment to sort of sit back, relax, and go through some edits. In fact, I haven't even really looked at any of the pictures or videos I took at LAX yet. Um, so it's kind of been nonstop, but I'm hoping to get to that edit as soon as possible. And obviously I'd like to release it before I go off to Canada, because then I won't have the time to be doing that. Uh, the airport, uh, the, one of the last points I have for this episode of the podcast is how busy the airport was, especially the domestic terminal. I found the domestic terminal in Melbourne. This is Terminal 3, so that's Virgin Australia. I found it to be quite busy. Now we're talking, this is a Monday morning, so of course there's people potentially heading off to work, and we still are at this point in the school holidays, the summer break for kids, so it was pretty busy, I would honestly say. Uh, Coming back, it it wasn't as... Actually, do you know what I mean? I'd say it it probably would have been at about 65 to 70% capacity in the actual terminal, and we're talking now for peak travel time of around about 6, 7 a.m. So it's got its pros and cons, let's be honest. And uh, as for Sydney, it, it was busy, but not, not as busy as Melbourne, surprisingly. And I guess that just depends on the time you're arriving, the time you're leaving, and, and the day. But that's just for anyone that's curious. As for the load factor on my 737 flight up to Sydney, uh, well, I had three seats to myself, and the vast majority did. I think there may have been 40 45 people on my flight at most so it wasn't that busy and i'll get into load factors for passengers later in the in the next podcast when i take a look at delta that one will be a little bit shorter to conclude this podcast i just wanted to say a massive thank you to claire dana and peter who all helped me in getting out and like you've seen the madness that was of an incredibly stressful 48 hours but I do want to mention that's nothing compared to the people that were impacted actually by the volcanic eruption. I'm sit here, I'm sat here, pardon me, complaining, not complaining, but giving you a story on everything that happened to me with the Fiji Airways experience. But at the end of the day, I was flying for not an essential reason. I'm lucky that I have my health. I'm lucky that I'm safe. And I am aware that there's people in these areas that have been hit very, very hard. So I just want to reiterate and I guess let you know that I'm not... Uh, by any means trying to make it out that I had a terrible experience and oh god poor me and everything like that that's not the slightest I just wanted to use this as a way to document my own experience because at the end of the day these podcasts as much as I I'm very happy that people listen they're also like a journal for me and keep well that's what they've become they've become like detailing key moments and therefore if I forget certain elements of I don't know my flight to the United States I can come back and I guess that's the beauty of it and, and listen uh, even though I hate listening to myself, it's just a great way to keep up to date with what happened and little thing, little details that I may have missed. But yes, I want to reiterate that I know I had it far better than anyone that was impacted by the volcanic eruption. I am not by any means trying to say I had it worse. Uh, and obviously my thoughts are every- with everyone that is still being impacted by that eruption. However, hopefully you've at least seen just how crazy the world can be. It can change at a moment's notice. It can impact travel plans. It can impact so many different things. But at the end of the day, I still had my health. I was still able to get on a flight and I'm very, very grateful for that. And once again, to finally say a big thanks to Claire, Dana, Peter, and everyone 
at the teams that helped me get the flight over at the very, very last minute. They could have very easily given in and just said, and actually accepted my email of thanks for the invite, but I can't come. But they weren't taking that as an answer and they did everything in their power for two hours at getting me a new flight. And I'm very, very grateful to them. Uh, they're the best people I've ever dealt with. And, and yeah, so that's going to conclude part one of the mini series, The Madness of Flying to the USA. Technically, it's the second episode. The first episode was my interview with the Northern Pacific Airways CEO. There's a video on the YouTube channel if you want to go and watch that. Alternatively, the previous podcast episode is that. Um, but yeah, thanks very much. The next episode should be going out before you know it. That will be my experience flying on Delta. That one will probably not be as long because there isn't as much to document. It's more of like a flight review. Uh, and then the one after that will be the big one, which will be the Northern Pacific Airways event. And that's the three epic days staying at the Mission Inn Spa and Resort in Riverside and then heading to San Bernardino International Airport, meeting the 757, my interview with the CEO, how it all went, some exciting developments and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. We're a couple of weeks away from that. Um, obviously there's then going to be an episode on plane spotting at LAX as a lot of exciting things happened, including me appearing a couple of times on a plane spotting live stream channel, that of airline videos and conducting a few interviews here and there. And, uh, once we've finished this mini series, I'll be jetting off to Canada, which means we'll straight away transition into Canadian content and so much more. Thank you very, very much for listening. Do take care and be safe. If you are enjoying these episodes, you're more than welcome to let me know. Once again, to conclude, this is being live streamed in the Discord server. Do be sure to join. We're almost at 5,000 members and it is certainly a great community for all. Do take care, be safe. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week for my flight review on Delta. You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.